Harper Audio presents Slaughterhouse-Five. Author Kurt Vonnegut, Jr. reads his work with a casual irony that complements the novel's wonderfully eccentric tone. Listen. Billy Pilgrim has come unstuck in time. Billy has gone to sleep, a senile widower, and awakened on his wedding day. He's walked through a door in 1955 and come out another one in 1941. He's gone back through that door to find himself in 1963. He's seen his birth and his death many times, he says, and pays random visits to all the events in between, he says. Billy is spastic in time, has no control over where he is going next, and the trips aren't necessarily fun. He's in a constant state of stage fright, he says, because he never knows what part of his life he is going to have to act in next. Billy first came unstuck while World War II was in progress. Billy was a chaplain's assistant in the war. A chaplain's assistant is customarily a figure of fun in the American Army. Billy was no exception. He was powerless to harm the enemy or to help his friends. In fact, he had no friends. He was a valet to a preacher, expected no promotions or medals, bore no arms, and had a meek faith in a loving Jesus which most soldiers found putrid. One was an anti-tank gunner whose name was Roland Weary. They were captured by old men and children in uniform. They were brought to a stone cottage at a fork in the road. It was a collecting point for prisoners of war. Billy and Roland Weary were taken inside where it was warm and smoky. There was a fire sizzling and popping in the fireplace. The fuel was furniture. There were about 20 other Americans in there sitting on the floor with their backs to the wall, staring into the flames, thinking whatever there was to think, which was zero. Nobody talked. Nobody had any good war stories to tell. Billy and Weary found places for themselves, and Billy went to sleep with his head on the shoulder of an unprotesting captain. The captain was a chaplain. He was a rabbi. He had been shot through the hand. Billy traveled in time, opened his eyes, found himself staring into the glass eyes of a jade-green mechanical owl. The owl was hanging upside down from a rod of stainless steel. The owl was Billy's optometer in his office in Ilium. An optometer is an instrument for measuring refractive errors in eyes in order that corrective lenses may be prescribed. Billy had fallen asleep while examining a female patient who was in a chair on the other side of the owl. He'd fallen asleep at work before. It had been funny at first. Now Billy was starting to get worried about it, about his mind in general. He tried to remember how old he was. Couldn't. He tried to remember what year it was. He couldn't remember that either. Billy Pilgrim could not sleep on his daughter's wedding night. He was 44. The wedding had taken place that afternoon in a gaily striped tent in Billy's backyard. The stripes were orange and black. Billy padded downstairs on his blue and ivory feet. He went into the kitchen where the moonlight called his attention to a half bottle of champagne on the kitchen table, all that was left from the reception in the tent. Somebody had stoppered it again. Drink me, it seemed to say. Billy looked at the clock on the gas stove. He had an hour to kill before the saucer came. He went into the living room, swinging the bottle like a dinner bell, turned on the television. He came slightly unstuck in time, saw the late movie backwards, then forwards again. It was a movie about American bombers in the Second World War. 
and the gallant men who flew them. Billy saw the war movie backwards and forwards, and then it was time to go out into his backyard to meet the flying saucer. Out he went, his blue and ivory feet crushing the wet salad of the lawn. He stopped, took a swig of the dead champagne. It was like seven-up. He would not raise his eyes to the sky, though he knew there was a flying saucer from Tralfamador up there. He would see it soon enough, inside and out. And he would see, too, where it came from soon enough. The Americans arrived in Dresden at five in the afternoon. The boxcar doors were opened, and the doorways framed the loveliest city that most of the Americans had ever seen. The skyline was intricate and voluptuous and enchanted and absurd. It looked like a Sunday school picture of heaven to Billy Pilgrim. Somebody behind him in the boxcar said, Oz, that was I, that was me. The only other city I'd ever seen was Indianapolis, Indiana. The prisoners were taken to the fifth building inside the gate. It was a one-story cement block cube with sliding doors in front and back. It had been built as a shelter for pigs about to be butchered. Now it was going to serve as a home away from home for 100 American prisoners of war. There was a big number over the door of the building. The number was five. Before the Americans could go inside, their only English-speaking guard told them to memorize their simple address in case they got lost in the big city. The address was this, Schlachthof Fünf. Schlachthof meant slaughterhouse. Fünf was good old five. The meat locker was a very safe shelter. All that happened down there was an occasional shower of calcimine. The Americans and four of their guards and a few dressed carcasses were down there, and nobody else. The rest of the guards had, before the raid began, gone to the comforts of their own homes in Dresden. They were all being killed with their families. So it goes. During the raid, a guard would go to the head of the stairs ever so often to see what it was like outside. Then he would come down and whisper to the other guards. There was a firestorm out there. Dresden was one big flame. The one flame ate everything organic, everything that would burn. It wasn't safe to come out of the shelter until noon the next day. When the Americans and their guards did come out, the sky was black with smoke. The sun was an angry little pinhead. Dresden was like the moon now, nothing but minerals. The stones were hot. Everybody else in the neighborhood was dead. So it goes. Robert Kennedy, whose summer home is eight miles from the home I live in all year round, was shot two nights ago. He died last night, so it goes. Martin Luther King was shot a month ago. He died too, so it goes. And every day my government gives me account of corpses created by military science in Vietnam, so it goes. My father died many years ago now of natural causes, so it goes. He was a sweet man. He was a gun nut too. He left me his guns. They're us. On Tralfamador, says Billy Pilgrim, there isn't much interest in Jesus Christ. The earthling figure who is most engaging to the Tralfamadorian mind, he says, is Charles Darwin, who taught that those who die are meant to die, that corpses are improvements. So it goes. If what Billy Pilgrim learned from the Tralfamadorians is true, that we will all live forever, no matter how dead we may sometimes seem to be, I am not overjoyed. Still, 
If I am going to spend eternity visiting this moment and that, I'm grateful that so many of those moments are nice. World War II was over. Billy and the rest wandered out onto the shady street. The trees were leafing out. There was nothing going on out there. No traffic of any kind. There was only one vehicle, an abandoned wagon, drawn by two horses. The wagon was green and coffin-shaped. Birds were talking. One bird said to Billy Pilgrim, Pootie Wheat? HarperCollins is the copyright owner of this recording. HarperCollins has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright law to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio has been provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly and Associates. Network connectivity provided by UU Net Technologies and by MFS DataNet.